G'day, everybody. It's time for a grand final edition of the Proudo and Redders NDCA podcast. Dan Proudman, it's a very good evening, sir. Hello, David. Hope you're well. Actually, I'm not. I'm not 100%, just slight, slight cold. Had the uh, obligatory rat test this morning, and luckily for me, I, I became. I had a, I was a one-strike result, so, but not, not 100% Redders, but that doesn't matter. I'll, I'll get through it. Dan, some extraordinary semifinals last week. Let's get straight into it. Um, I've watched a lot of this game on highlights because it was live-streamed. What a game of cricket Western Hamilton Wickham turned out to be on a, what appeared to be an excellent Harker Oval strip after they'd had the day off due to the, the covers leaking on the Saturday. Hamilton Wickham made 116, and I'm not sure if there's too many people in Newcastle other than 11 blokes in blue and white corded caps that thought they'd get home, and they ended up dismissing West for 105. Just an amazing, amazing game of cricket, Dan Proudman. It really was. Yeah, it was. I think when everyone saw 116, and Hamilton's going pretty well, weren't they? So, you know, they were two for 85, but it was obviously hard going. Um, but, um, yeah, everyone thought 116, thought done and dusted. And then Western, they got it out of the bag. They got the final out of the bag last, last year, didn't they? But um, what, yes. a, what a performance by Jack Hardigan, which I'm sure we're about to talk about. Indeed, we'll go straight to that. Hamilton Wickham had two players make double figures. Ben Balkan batting at four made 12. Nobody else made more than eight. Jack Hardigan, the last man dismissed, a magnificent match winning 75 off 112 rocks. After being 30 off 30 early, they really started because they'd been put into bat and Jack's clearly decided to let's go after them. What a scintillating performance this was by Jack. However, we, in the same breath, we must mention a magnificent performance by Jeremy Noonan. Six for 21 off 10.3, including a Hattie. And Aaron Bills looked absolutely dangerous with every ball. Three for 25 off 11. So Jack's inning, 75 out of 116 to finals. An incredible effort, Dan. Yeah, absolutely outstanding. We all knew he had it in him, didn't we? Because he's just such a, a tremendous young player. Great kid. Really good head on his shoulders for a young bloke. Um, Outstanding effort, like you said, Noonan, and not, not a bad hat trick either. And Weber, T. Dwyer, S. Weber's not too bad to your, to your three poles either, just quietly. Um, no, he's not picking on bunnies, is he? Like Warney did with his test hat trick. He's definitely not. I've seen Sam Weber go off quite a few times at Townsend Oval, including only a few weeks ago. So outstanding. I noticed that Sam did go for that ball though. He didn't. Uh, he didn't shirk at it either. So fair, no. fair play to Sam. But yeah, absolutely wonderful innings by Jack. And, and like I sort of said, it was two for 85 and three for 85 when Benny Balkan got out. Um, and then they lost four for six and seven for 21. And funnily enough, last 10 runs um, between um, Jack and, uh, and Sean Burgess, um, they put on 10 for the last wicket, which obviously you wouldn't have thought much at the time. A leg by a bye and a couple of fours from Jack. Turns out they win by 11, you know, so... Oh, it's that that those last two, he, I think he hit a. Um, I think he hit Aaron Bills for a reverse sweep to point for four, and then dropped on one knee and ramped him straight over the keeper's head for another four in that over. And you're thinking, oh well, okay. And then he's he's tried to ramp Noons in the next over and got skittled. And you thought, oh, that's not enough runs. Uh, West would have been very confident. Interesting that West sent them in. I think it's sort of their mindset. I think they're very confident of chasing anything down. And then Sam Weber and Ed Bartlett have completely turned the game on its head. What? Let's go through the wickets. Um, 
one for none, two for five, three for 10, four for 21, five for 34, six for 52, seven for 69 was the key wicket in the whole match, James King. Yep. And uh, Andrew Shakespeare at 71, Flynn Guest. So they were nine for 73. And then the last two, Brad Aldis and Jeremy Noonan actually batted very nicely. And I don't like saying this because Brad, Brad already framed this because I'm telling, saying that he can actually play. But Brad Aldis batted like a number eight. He did not bat like a number 10. He batted very nicely and they nearly got them home. And then young Harry Dwyer steps up, all geeky and gangly and legs everywhere, shirt hanging out, and bowls Noonan with an absolute jaffer of a leg cutter. Noonan's just white playing a forward defence, clips off bail and the Hamwick's blokes went berserk. It was an amazing second innings. Brilliant. Absolutely great. And you're right with Aldous too. And, and and fair play to him, but also fair play to James King. You know, some people sort of half questioned why he would sort of, you know, turn the batting order around a couple of times during the year to give everyone a bat. Well, he, he gave Brad a couple of bats at four and five during the year. So he, he actually had a bit of a hit out, you know, because West were going so well and not getting rolled all that often. You know, it, it nearly it, they nearly dragged it out of the fire because of things that have been done during the year. And that included Brad being able to have a hit. Obviously, Brad's, you know, a very competitive man, as we know, and um, nearly dragged it out of the fire again. Like you said, they put on 43. Was it 43 for that last week? I think it was. 32. 32, was it? Sorry. Um, outstanding. Outstanding. Um, but as it was getting closer, I know we were watching it at, at, at Lynn. It had that sense of, of, of what happened last year with what James, with what Kingy did last year. Yep. If they're going to get out of jail again here, they're going to get out of jail. And then, you know, full credit to Hamwick's um, magnificent effort by them, considering they were sitting there watching City and University, you know, a second grade City side and University in that last round when they were washed out, they were nearly out of the comp. And um, okay. City did them a favour, got them into the comp, and look what's happened there. And now, you know, 180 hours away from being premiers. Uh, extraordinary nine days in Hamwick's history, because as you said, they were just sitting there and uni really were in the driver's seat against um, City and Mitchell Nesbitt stands up and plays a match-defining match defining innings and all of a sudden Hamwicks are in the semis because they were in the four and, you know, fair enough, good, fair play, and then go in against the top seed and knock them over um, for 105 on a, on a good track. Great performance. Bartlett bowled beautifully. He was outstanding. Um, Sam Webber has been the best. I would suggest you... Um, if you look at the history of Newcastle cricket, there's only a couple of cricketers that have got the same sort of all-round stats as him, and that their, their father and son, Michael and Ken Hill. That's where Sam Weber is in the pantheon of all-rounders. The, probably some of the Sheffield Shield cricketers and Dr. Barber are the best cricketers we've had, but as for actual all-rounders, Sam Weber's up there in the greats. Four for 21 for Sam, four for 31 Ed Bartlett, and... Uh, and uh, Harry Dwyer, two for 21 off 6.3, and they're home. So Hamwicks get into the grand final and on a, in a terrific game, flat-out terrific game of cricket. And the other game of cricket that was played, a totally different. Dan Proudman made a point of saying in our podcast last week, David, this will be a grind. There were 179 overs bowled at Lynn Oval out of a possible 180. There were 530. 30, 47 runs scored of 179 overs. It was just a really tough semi-final of cricket. And Stockton at the end uh, were left winners. Stockton made eight for 284. We'll come back to the ninth wicket partnership because that proved pivotal off their 90 overs. And then in reply, Merriweather all out of 89 overs 
for 263. Dan, what a game of cricket this was. Um, uh, over to you to start, my friend, and then we'll just go back and forth and talk about it. You're right. We did say we thought it would go late into, Saturday, into Sunday. I don't think we thought it would go to 20 past six on Sunday, to be fair. But, yeah, a cracking game of cricket. Um, one of those edgier seats type thing for the entire two days. I think even though Stockton were, um, you know, semi at one stage with both Foster and Ginnin and back in the sheds, it just felt, especially probably halfway through that second session on that first day, that Stockton sort of had their nose in front. And it was a bit bone crusher, our Waverly star. It was, you know, yep. it was here, there and here, there. But they sort of always kept their nose just in front, I thought. Tremendous effort by the Merriweather boys. And we'll, we'll go through those two innings in a second because there's so many different um, things that you can talk about. You know, there were, there were firstly, congratulations to Trevor on a, on a magnificent deck, I thought. Um, 285 versus 265 in the semifinals, outstanding with the amount of rain that we've had around the place. So a, an enormous credit to him for getting that, that wicket up. We were only 15 minutes late to start with and, you know, 285 on the first day showed that, that you know, it was a hard deck. It was a, insofar as it, it was slowish and it was hardish to score on and no one really got in. And I think that showed with, I think there were 13 scores over the two innings, um, 19 or more, but there were only two fifties. And it showed that you could get in and it was hard to get people out, but it wasn't necessarily easy to score, if that makes sense. And I know there was 550 runs scored in the game, but it is Leonardo to remember. Not the biggest ground of all time. But let's go through, let's just set it up with how Stockton played. Um, and if you want to do that, because I know you were watching it closer than what I was, I was scoring with the lovely die. But let's just take it through how Stockton went, especially after that first session. They were what, two, two for 60 odd at, at lunch after being two for 30 early um, after Keith Murdy and, um, and young Hainsworth got out. They were two for 30 early and then Foster and Ganin and Steady the Ship, didn't they, Dave? They did. Um, so uh, Nick Foster, 22, Jeff Ganin, 31. But the, 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 the key to the innings was four innings from the mid to lower order. Adrian Chad faced 141 balls for 58. Brendan Charlton, who was probably in the game, he and Andrew Nicolo were the most explosive two batsmen in the innings because they hit um, boundaries, not at will, but they certainly hit the ball over the boundary. Brendan Charlton, and we'll talk about the spinners in a minute, was hitting downwind, 46 off 79 with three and three. And then the last partnership that Stockton had, they were eight for 217, um, and at that stage, I think a lot of people on the ground were wondering, where's this game going to go? Are, are Merriweather going to be batting tonight? Can Stockton grind out? Well, Stockton didn't grind out. Andrew Nikolai came out and played a gem of an innings, 40 off 37 with one and three. Sam Jenkinson, whose footwork's as good as I've seen his footwork in the eight years I've been at Stockton, his back foot play. I've been talking to people around the traps about a lot of blokes in Newcastle aren't using their back foot enough to go back to play back foot shots and are getting stuck at the crease, Dan. Sam Jenkinson's back foot play was excellent. He ended up with 43. Stockton ended up with a creditable eight for 284. And as Dan said, what can be best described as a, a, a tad slow, flat, flat deck. There wasn't much in it. Um, but as, as all Dan also said, Trevor Thomas did a great job to get a wicket with that many runs. But it wasn't easy at all. I thought, Sam, that is the best. I've seen Sam holding now bowl in two consecutive years in finals. Dan at Lynn Overly played in seconds last year and bowled 20-odd overs almost done. Uh, um, 
consecutive and took two for 30 or something on those lines. That's the best I've seen Sam holding bowling all of the time I've seen him play, including playing for Newcastle and, and for Lake Mac. Four for 31 off 14, two for 79 off 25 overs for Sam O'Sullivan. But I think one of the interesting things is here is that Tim O'Neill and David Setup have been um, wrapping up teams in their spider web for a long time. And they're always going to be the danger. Between them, 26 overs, one for 92. And I think that was very important that Stockton were able to negate Dave Setup and Tim O'Neill. Uh, and that was very important in getting to 284, Dan. Yeah, I agree completely. I agree completely. Like you said, um, uh, four for 85 when, um, when um, Charlton comes in um, and then him and Chatty put on 90. They didn't just put on 90. They, they picked their balls, but they also sped up the game significantly. Charlton hit three bombs, I think, in a row off Timmy with that little southeaster blowing. Um, I know that Nick had his, had he, uh, <laughs> was taking a few deep breaths after he'd hit three, thinking he'd keep going. And now he played the other out beautifully. And they, they batted beautifully and really set the game up. Um, and then, like you said, Nikolai and Sam Jenkinson playing off that black foot. You were allowed to do that with that pitch too because it was slow and lowish. That if yes. you back your eye, but I agree completely. Um, that's the best I've seen Sam holding bowl. As simple as that. I've seen him bowl every week for four years, five years now. And that's by far the best I've seen him bowl. He decided he'd just bowl just short of a length, try to hit the top of off, and he looked magnificent. Um, he, he took a couple of fantastic wickets. Sam O'Sullivan was absolutely brilliant. 25 overs is from him. Um, you know, two for 79. I thought that he was brilliant. You're right. Um, Timmy, probably still short of a gallop. He only played probably five or six, seven games of the year. And to be fair, you know, as a 44-year-old, I think, probably a little bit short of a gallop. Um, and Dave Seller bowled as, as well as he could to them, but they just, um, it was just that type of pit, pitch where he needed a little bit more bounce and a little bit more sharpish turn for him to really go well. So, And, and Stockton didn't use their feet to either of them very much. Whilst they hit some, they didn't charge them and give them a chance to give them a chance to for Paddy to stump them. They actually stayed in their crease. And I think that was important. And they could because it was slow. That's the point that Dan's trying to make is even if they were beaten in the air, they could play them off the back foot and just pump the bump the ball away for a for a dot. Exactly right. I mean, I don't think there was one catch and slips over the two days, Dave. So that probably showed how the pitch was playing, I think. Um there might have been one caught behind, maybe two. Um, well, there could have been three, but there was no, there was no snicks. There was no that that sharpish snick to first, second, or third slip. I, I can't remember one in the whole day anyway. In the whole two days, um, sixty-eight <laughs> off the last ten overs. Nikolai Jenkinson, um, you know, like you said, eight for two hundred and eighteen with ten overs to go. You thought, you know, if they get to two fifty, that's still a cracking score. We thought, but yes, two eighty-five. Um, Really, I'm not saying it took the game away from Merriweather, but it obviously made it a hell of a lot different than if, even if Merriweather had five or six overs at the crease um, that night and didn't lose anything, you know, they could have dragged it back down for 220 off the last 90 overs in the, in the second day. Obviously, then overnight, there was a significant change. Ben Egan, who's probably been in our top three players for the last two seasons. Um, yep. In fact, the COVID overnight and um, was out for the for the Sunday. Pat Holding came in for him. A big loss for for Merriweather. Um, not not just for his presence, 
Um, and he's, he's a magnificent leader in that team now. Um, the, the boys listen to him a lot. He's, he's magnificent in the sheds. But him and Dave Seller have had this great partnership that it, they, they sort of grown over the course, at least since Christmas anyway. Um, They're averaging, I think, 60 or 70 since Christmas. They put on a couple of hundred run stands, which is exactly what Merriweather were looking for, obviously, chasing 280. But ben being out, um, Josh Geary moved Chad Mayo to, uh, to open up with David. Look, they did a, they did a, a, a cracking job. Um, I think it was one for 90-odd at lunch, I think, and Chad had scored 28 of them, I think. What was the first wicket down? One for 50. And two for 91, I think, at lunch. And it's still stopped and just ahead, obviously. Still needing 190, but you're thinking, gee, you know, can it possibly happen? Um, and then Dave Sellers and Tom McDevitt got in, getting out just after lunch. Sort of lost a, a little bit of the ascendancy again for Merriweather. And then um, uh, Simon Moore and Josh Geary, the two old stages, got together and put on 44 for that fourth wicket to get Merriweather back going again. But in doing that at the same time, and, and this is this is crucial in the whole crux of the innings, was Nick Foster bowled 37 overs straight and bowled beautiful defensive bowling, knowing full well. And he said afterwards, he thought that he needed to get Merriweather out. He thought that Merriweather would get him in 85 overs. So he, he knew that he needed 10 wickets, but he knew that he had to be patient in doing that too. And him and Adrian Chad um, um, bowled beautifully in tandem, especially late later on in the innings. Um, I thought Jared Humphreys bowled well when he came on. Brennan Charlton bowled seven overs, but him and Chaddy, um, what did they end up with? I think it was 62 overs, nine for 165. Yeah. So Merrill scored one for 100 off the last, off the other 25 overs. You know, so that says a hell of a lot. Adrian Chad, but and Nick Foster, obviously both big time players. We Chaddy's done it for Newcastle. He's done it for Toronto. He's now done it for 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 Stockton as well as his batting effort on Saturday. And again, you know, Nick Foster, the the king of Lynn Oval. Um, outstanding effort, five for 85 off 37 straight. Um, knowing what he needed to do, bowling from that southern end that he, he knows so well. And he that is going to be the key, and I know we'll talk about the grand final in a minute, but that's the key for me. Him bowling from that southern end is going to be the key. Um, so going back to Merriweather's innings, they were still in with a sniff at T. Um, more than a sniff, Simon Moore was still in, and uh, Jeremy Smith was looking really good. Um, he can't hold back Jeremy. And they were looking great at tea. And I think they needed maybe 125 off 30-odd, I think. Um, yep. And then uh, and they were still going quite well. They needed, I think that the plan always was if they get to around 100 with 20 to go, then they'll back themselves. Yep. Stockton, Stockton bowling so well as they did, Dave. They, they just kept the pressure on. There was, there was not many bad deliveries for anyone to get anything away. Um, and then when Maury... Got out at 707 for 218. Funnily enough, there were, I think there was 11 or 12 overs left. So the scores were nearly exactly the same after 68 overs. And that last 10 overs, Merriweather couldn't get that, you know, that 65 that they needed to win um, in the last 10 or 60-odd in the last 10, whereas Stockton did it the, the day before. So really, that's where it was won and lost. The last hour in both days was where Stockton... Um, dominated and they probably to be fair won the big moments Nick Foster got Maury caught at deep cover and that changed the whole the whole game um, 
in saying that, we had some magnificent, and when I say we, Merriweather had, had some magnificent efforts. But Jeremy Smith ended up with 28 off 57. Pat Hulham batted well, 26. Timmy O'Neill came in and had, looked great. Um, again, as he does, 15 off, off 21 and, and was doing his best. And obviously, Maury was the only one to get it over 50, 53 of 113 balls. Every possible chance, just fell short. Hard to chase 285 any day of the week, let alone in the semi-final. Definitely not disgraced, um, but, you know, it, it will sting for a while. The nine of the, the Merriweather's top nine batsmen, everybody, got to double figures. Yeah. 32, 28, 33, 53, 19, 11, 26, 28, and 15, which is sort of a very good effort. It's not only a good effort, it's indicative of the type of deck it was. It when <clears throat> it took two New South Wales country, and we're gonna, I'm going to name the New South Wales country side officially in a, uh, on our potty, uh, not while it's been officially released in a minute. It took new, two New South Wales country bowlers to bowl their backsides off to get Stockton home. Um, the talk with our, and our change rooms was this is going to be an attritional game. We have to re, um, be, be attritional, put that squeeze on and just get the run rate up, which is actually, Dan, what you've seen Newcastle do times in our times at representative cricket is get run rates up quickly. And um, a, a lot of the run rates are like batting at 50 and 60 runs, 100 balls, because it was tough. Uh, Tom McDevitt came out, he batted at 75. Um, Chad Mayo did a very good job as a stopgap opener. The, you cannot underestimate Ben Egan not being there. I heard that. And I, I, I immediately thought, oh, that's that's not good. I just hope he's okay. But what bad luck. Um, so, yeah, look, an amazing game of cricket. The other 284 to 3263. Dan? The other thing you can't, you can't measure really, too, is um, the influence of Nick Foster's captaincy. Um, in that in that last, especially that that last two sessions, the fielding captain, and this is obviously nothing against Josh Geary. I thought Josh cap Josh captain beautifully all year, and captain beautifully again um, on the weekend. Um, but obviously, when you're a batting captain on the Sunday, you have less you know influence on the game as when you're the bowling captain. And and in that last forty odd overs. Um, you know, I thought Nick did a tremendous job insofar as he knew when to put the field out. He knew when to bring it in. He knew when to be defensive. Um, when Merriweather started going a little bit again, um, he was happy to sort of move things around and allow the batsmen to adjust the field to a certain extent. And I think at the end of the day, when you only win by 23 runs, I think it was 21 runs, you know, that that's five boundaries, you know. So that's immeasurable. And he knows Lenovo better than anyone. And that's why it's going to be key for, you know, the next 180 overs, as we're going to talk about shortly, because it's an immeasurable thing. You cannot measure the influence he has as a captain. But I thought the way he was able to get his bowlers to bowl, and they bowled the way they did, and the way that he was able to allow the batsmen to manipulate the field to a certain extent and allow them to manipulate him, but only as far as he wanted them to do. You know, there was, I think... Um, uh, the ball took two catches at a really, really straight mid-on on the northern end where I think a lot of opposition players, uh, captain might have had them a little bit wider. Um, there were two there, um, two at least two wickets there. Um, there was a really um, unorthodox sort of squarish cover, but no square point that was out in the boundary, which ended up where they got Maury. So there were just those little city, little you know, localised knowledge things that I think 
really manipulated the game. And when you win by 20 runs in a 550-run affair, that's um, it's pretty substantial in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's a reason. There's a, there's a, some pretty good reason that Newcastle have won three successive state championships. A, very well coached. B, great culture. C, very good players. And D, the New South Wales captain is also the Newcastle captain, who's also the Stockton captain. And uh, he's, I think in the last couple of years, his actual cricket in, into his late 30s has got better and better. He just, he's like a fine wine. He's getting better with age. And uh, he was superb. Um, 37 overs, 11 maidens, 5 for 85 for Nick. 25 overs, 2 maidens, 4 for 80 for Chatty. I reckon it's a long while since Chatty's bowled 25 overs too. I just quietly, that's a great effort. I hope you kept the sunscreen on that bald nut of his. <laughs> Indeed. On to the grand final. Um, now, so for those of you that are listening to us away from the Hunter Valley and away from Greater Newcastle and Lake Mac, uh, it rained today. It rained here on the Central Coast. There is rain forecast this weekend. So in Newcastle cricket, in first grade and first grade alone, there's actually a reserve weekend. Dan Proudman has actually scored um, Merriweather winning on the third day of a grand final. In fact, on Good Friday, if I remember the last time that you did that, Dan, uh, of, of 10 overs were left. And there's a reserve weekend. And it may very well come to that. Lynn Oval has superb drainage for the game between Hamilton, Wickham and Stockton. Lynn Oval's got some of the best drainage in all of Newcastle's sand base. It is literally uh, a, a sand wedge from the water. And unfortunately, that's getting closer and closer. Um, Dan's favourite uh, bacon and egg roll place, Lexi's, is getting closer and closer to the sea. However, um, so if 180 overs, if we can't get a result this weekend, we'll come back the following weekend is the way it looks. There is rain forecast. We're talking about an inch every day today and tomorrow, and then a little bit less. Sunday's the best of the four next three or four days. But uh, if we're going to get on, we'll get on it, Lena. Just the way it is, Dan. There's not much more you can say about it. The weather is what the weather is. No, that's right. The, I mean, the, the the rules changed back. It'll be over twenty. I think it was two thousand and one, two thousand and two, when Merriweather became joint premiers with Hamwicks. When uh, Hamwick Reese Soper hit about two hundred and twenty, and Hamwicks made four hundred and fifty, and Merriweather might have been five for fifty at, at stumps. And then it rained the, the second day. And because the play started on the second day, they became joint premiers. So Merriweather, Mitch Irwin was still in and Chad White, they thought they'd get the extra 400. So they still think they would have won. However, it was uh, there was a decision made after that that maybe, you know, with there's so much that these guys actually invest into the into the year that, you know, there should be extra time allowed to make sure that there is a winner at the end of the year. Which is, oh, I think that's fabulous. I really, I just, I can't believe that anyone's got 450 at Newcastle number one. The way the wicket's been the last half a decade, 450 is like what you get in three innings at a grand final. It's usually got a bit in it, um, which is why I think Geary's been so effective at that deck. But four, it must have been a nice old dry, dry January, February, March and a fast outfield and a great deck. 450, that's I know, amazing. I know that Mad Monday was, it was the most beautiful uh, autumn day you've ever seen in your life after it was washed out on a Sunday. And I know that Neil Crittenden kept on ringing his brother Terry, who was playing at Hamwicks at the time, telling him how nice the day was and how good it was that they were both joint premiers. Not sure it went down well with Terry, but Neil was enjoying himself. I can imagine. Dan, this is, um, uh, before we uh, go in, and uh, um, uh, the New South Wales countryside has been officially released today, so I'm, we're allowed to discuss that. Cracking grand final, match winners everywhere. Um, much depend. Uh, Reese Hanlon didn't get as many runs on the weekend, but Jack Hardigan stepped up. Hamwicks have found a way this year, um, and 
it's the both sides have got so many have so many strengths. Daniel Foster comes back into the Stockton side after being COVID out last week. Um, and I can imagine that the Hamwick side hasn't been named the my cricket yet, but I don't think that'd make any changes. The only one possibly is the leg spinner not. You wonder whether they consider him at Lynn Oval. But look, it's going to be a cracking game of cricket. Two best umpires in Newcastle, Phil Ranger and Kieran Knight got the, have got the gig, and I'm quite happy in saying that they're two of the best three umpires in the state. Should be a great game of cricket. It's there's so many. It'll be it'll be ups and downs and things. I don't think it'll be a hundred playing a hundred like it was a hark. I just I just think that the wicket will. If, as long as it's the wicket's okay, I think it'll be higher scoring than that. Yeah, I mean, I've learned over the last twenty years never to rule out Hamwicks. You rule them out at your peril. Ever, I never, I ever. Hard. I know it's very hard for you to comment on this because um, we know how much you love the, the mighty goals, but I think Stockton go in as. In my opinion, quite firm favourites. We we discussed at the start of the year, and I thought they were in the top two sides, and nothing has changed. Um, I think the having that at Lynn Oval is a significant, significant um, positive for them. Not just because it's at home, but it's because the way that Nick knows and is able to manipulate that ground. I also think the deck might not work in the favour of the guys like Sam Weber. I think Sam likes it a little bit bouncier and a little bit quicker. I'm not going to say the Sam Weber's still and I'm going to take six her because he is class. Um, you know, you don't take five or six hundred wickets in, in this comp if you're no good. And I'm not suggesting that he can't do that again. But I'm just thinking with, with the wicket that I saw last week and just, you know, that slowish with not a lot of bounce, that it might um, nullify some of his power. That's, I suppose, is the best way that I can put it. And I think that Stockton... If, if it goes a significant amount of time, I think it, it also pushes towards Stockton's um, area too. I think they're extremely well balanced. I think the Toronto boys that you've brought in this year have been outstanding for you guys and, and, and they're brilliant in that middle order, both batting and they can both bowl beautifully as well. And, you know, Andrew Nicolai as well, for that matter. Um, another Toronto boy. But, and, and then you've obviously got your Guineans and your Fosters and your Keith Moody's um, as well. Um, I think a lot of it, I don't think the toss really matters, to be honest with you, unless it happens, they happen to get on on Sunday and it's wet. I don't think that's really going to be a, a significant point. But I think Hamwicks are going to have to make a lot of runs. And do they have it in them? There hasn't been a lot of two-day cricket this year. They did chase, nearly chase down 320 against City. Yes. Christmas, which was fair. But Reese Hanley got 180 of those. And I think Reese is going to have to get a fair whack of them again. Him, Jack Hardigan, Ben Balcom. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that they're the keys in that in that lineup, as well as obviously the Weber boys. And who knows? You know, they might be five for not many, and Sam comes out and does what he does against Merriweather every time he plays, and he just does it against Stockton this time. So I'm not ruling out Hamwicks at all, but I think if if you're fair and you were looking at it straight with a little bit of knowledge of the of the local comp that I would think that most people would say that Stockton would be favourites going into it and and I think firm favourites to be fair Cannot wait to get there and uh, and get up there early on Saturday and hopefully get some cricket, let's just hope the weather holds off, <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen with the weather, it's 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 so like that at the moment, it's quite unbelievable how much rain I, I, I just want to give you an indication for those of you that don't come from New South Wales a dear friend of mine, Graham Batty, who plays for Balgani, well, I'm going former New South Wales country captain. His side this year played 18 games of cricket and they finished 1 5 and 12. Wow. 
12 draws. One day games in Wollongong, one, five, and 12. So unbelievable. The New South Wales countryside, everybody, has been officially announced um, for the 2022 Country Invitational Tournament in Albury and Bethanga um, from the 5th to the 11th of April. And the site is as follows. Nick Foster, Newcastle. Daniel Arms, Newcastle. Nick Brose from Western. He's one of the under-23s. Ryan Brown, Riverina. Scott Birkinshaw, Central Coast. Adrian Chad, Newcastle. Daniel Chillingworth, an under-23. Sean Eaton, Central Coast. Matt Everett, Western. Jeff Ginnan, Newcastle. Tom Groff, one of the keepers, Central Northern. Alex Patterson, Central Coast. John O'Rose from Greater Lawara, also one of the keepers. The great Caleb Zebel from North Coastal. Anthony Kirschler is the coach. He's North Coastal. And our own Shane Burley is the assistant coach and manager of that side. Terrific side down. An enormous amount of players from the Northern Pool, which is interesting to see. Um, the 223s, Nick Brose and Daniel Chillingworth. Nick Brose is a right-arm off a left-hand bat. Um, Chili bowls his leg spinners. Um, and Matt Everett's also a keeper, but he'll bat in the top order. And the top order's got a lot of guys that can bowl. Adrian Chad, Sean Eaton, Caleb Zebel, and Nick Bros uh, are all genuine bowlers. And uh, that gives Nick a fistful of bowlers. He's got three seam bowlers in Birkinshaw, Pattinson, and Brown. He's got two special spinners in himself and Daniel Chillingworth. And he's got Nick Bros as well with his spinners, followed with Chatty and Chatty. And the keepers will keep up to Chatty and to Eaton. They won't keep up to Zebel. He's, he's a bit too sharp and gets a bit too much bounce. Pretty balanced side, Dan. And again, you, you saw a lot of these players at, at Tugra um, in January. Yeah, really strong side. Um, unlucky for Josh Bennett, too, being injured. We probably should name him as well, that he was very much in the mix, I think, wasn't he, before he, uh, he did his hamstring. So yep. unlucky for him. But yeah, really strong side. Congratulations to all the Newcastle guys. And yeah, that um, that Zebel is something else, isn't he? He's, he's an absolute monster. I would like to play football with him. He is a monster. Can hit the ball, can bowl. Well, he's the only person, I think, in history to be the New South Wales country cricketer and New South Wales rugby league player, a country rugby league player of the year at the same time. He's won two Northern Rivers uh, best and fairest medals in football. Um, Patrick Rosser reckons he's got the most skills of a back rower he's ever seen. This bike's six foot five, 115, 116. And he's a proper batsman too. He doesn't just whack him. He can, he can play. Uh, he's an extraordinary all-round sportsman. Good could be tough up down there in Aubrey, I'm telling you. Interesting conditions playing in April, shorter days, cooler weather. Dan Proudman knows what it'll be like in Aubrey very well. In, in, in April, it'll be cool mornings and nice days. Um, ACT and Queensland are the two sides will be playing four one dayers and two T20s. So should be a wonderful uh, few days, a week down there, and all we cannot wait. Dan, anything further before I, we bid everybody adieu, and we'll come up, come back next week for uh, our final um, podcast of our second season. Yeah, I think we'll just leave it to that. I will congratulate yourself, David and Shane Burley, for also being part of that countryside again. Shane, assistant coach, and you. Scoring and managing again. How many um, how many years is this for you now, mate? Oh, I think it's six or seven, two or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but wonderful, wonderful achievement from from both of you. And yeah, um, thank you. Big Zeebs. If he told me to go and buy a schooner, I'll go and get him too. That's how big a unit he is. <laughs> Does it? He he can put them down. Let me tell you, he doesn't mind a quite ale. And he's got our he's looking after our punters club. We've got a couple of rest days, so we'll have a punters club one day and just have a, a quiet sit back and water run that. He's he's a great man. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Um, uh, yeah, and the uh, enjoy the cricket over the weekend. Enjoy your football. I hope that your uh, 
Uh, Raiders go well, well again. And I know they struggled up there in the heat up there in Townsville. I think anybody would play in that, that sort of weather. So good luck to your boys this weekend. Thanks for your time. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Dave. And good luck to you, Almighty Stockton, and, and also to Hamwicks, um, to all the players. Um, go well and enjoy yourselves. On behalf of Proudo, this is Redders. You take care, everybody. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.